0: Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please.
1: Why I didn't get, excuse me, can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well how come
0: they can say whatever they want to me?
1: Oh, it's old talent, that don't work. i just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I wanna be his boyfriend
0: Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. And I'm trying to figure out what we're doing. We're here recording. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did you already forget? I did. I mean, you just told me but now I forget. <laughs> I mean, we're do- we're doing recaps. Remember, honeybun? That's true. That's right. I'm so sorry, audience. <laughs> I'm with it. I swear. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, last week we talked a little bit about the GLTA. Mm -hmm. And y'all had a few opinions on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think one of the sweet things that people shared, obviously, was how much they miss the camaraderie. And some people shared their stories. Some people were missing shoes and they talked about getting inebriated. But the fun and the friendships and the competition and the travel Um, All of those things that we love about uh, GLTA. And then, you know, some of our um, information that we shared got uh, fact-checked.
1: Yeah, you texted me. Um, I don't even remember which day it was, but um, I quoted. I didn't quote. Okay, for the record, I didn't really quote Matt. But, you know, Matt offered this information to me as you know, being on one of the committees of the GLTA about amending bylaws. And I thought I'd gotten it all correct when I shared it with everyone last week. But Jason texted me and um, I don't even remember precisely what you texted, but I remember me interpreting the tone of the text as like, bitch, you better get your shit together. <laughs> like reach out to that girl because he feels misquoted. I'm like, oh my God. So I messaged Matt on Messenger. I was like, girl, so apparently I got the information wrong. He's like, yes, girl, you did. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. So I um, offered up misinformation when it comes to amending bylaws and the at the GLTA and how you know dare you. How dare I? <laughs> you know, and I thought about I'm like I thought I did a good job. I thought I did my research. I thought, you know, I would have made Barbara Walters so proud. But <laughs> I did not. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit when I make a mistake. But um yeah, I think, if anything, I was sharing with you Jay before that what what better opportunity than to invite someone from the executive themselves to set the record straight once and for all
0: hmm yeah I think that's a good idea and you know to Kyle's suggestion that you shared with us last week we should just every sentence that we say use the word allegedly because <laughs> that will save you from such embarrassment in the future if you use allegedly you you were just speculating there's no confirmation or you stating it as fact
1: yeah, I mean, like, at the end of the day, me giving misinformation about the amending of bylaws for a non-for-profit organization is not... <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't want to belittle the situation, but no lives are getting lost here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I do fully admit to the mistake. I am, you know, fully responsible in that. But come on, girl, let's... Let's just keep it really cute and someone from the executive come on and give the correct information. I think we would all be in favor of that.
0: Yeah. And allegedly someone from the <laughs> executive followed us on Instagram. So maybe that person can come on our show.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we can share who sure. he is. Daniel. Mm-hmm. Big head honcho. The head, Daniel Marithu. The head poop. Yeah. How do you how do we pronounce his last name?
0: I think it's Marithew. Marithew. That's like a mouthful, and also with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daniel, listen,
1: we've met before. I've seen you at many tournaments here in North America. I'm pretty sure I've seen you mostly Toronto, in the States. Columbus, yeah, yeah. Indy, have we seen I, him at? In- I don't know. About yeah, indie. we have.
0: Maybe, yeah. Anyway, okay. come on, the, come on the 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 program.
1: Yeah, come on the program and. <laughs> uh, you know, let's have a little Wendy Williams moment. I mean, I don't think I necessarily was, I was being shady toward you or the executive. We were just restating some facts
0: allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) Some alleged facts. (laughs) Exactly. We all love the GLTA. I think some people feel like there could be some improvements. So we would like to hear your facts, uh, alleged facts on that. And um, we can have a little uh, discussion with some martinis over Zoom. I like that. How about that? Do you th- who do you think um, Carmen Sam queries talking to via Zoom these days?
1: <laughs> um, ooh, um, like ambassadors in the, from the Republican Party. I'm not <laughs> quite sure who. I mean, that was one of the biggest. Well, that was the second biggest story that we shared, right, on our podcast last week, and trying to do some in research and information for this podcast. Girl, I, we couldn't find anything about him.
0: No, but people did inform us that they tracked his private plane or something um, having landed in Denmark. So there's a belief that he is there. And <laughs> uh, I had noted when I did our promo post that I was unable to tag him because he had quieted if or whatever you call it when you shut down your account or hide your account for a few days or whatever. So what did the, okay, what did that look like exactly? So you wanted to tag
1: our friend Sam mm-hmm. in a post because obviously we did a story about him last week and it just did not allow you to tag him because the account no longer existed.
0: Yeah, so the way it shows up as it shows up like a little bit blurred so you can see that the, the account exists but you can't tag him in anything because he's either um locked it down so nobody can tag him or send him messages uh, mm. but it has since been opened up and i don't know that i don't know what is up with his account but i can see now that the most recent post is from april 24th and i gotta believe that he's posted things so sooner than that so perhaps he's deleted some stuff i don't know that's that's like six months some people uh, do mean, that but
1: i listen i did not follow sam query i only knew him to be the guy that took out novak at wimbledon a couple years ago so i wasn't really into his ig game so when you say that his last post was uploaded in April I don't really know whether he would have he is the kind of person that would be consistently uploading onto his IG who knows and my question is if he did delete stuff from his IG like why would he delete it
0: mm-hmm. and you know I think the real question is who gives a shit who gives a <laughs> <laughs> although we who... do want to know where you are so Sam if you're listening. <laughs> where are you and um we would like to know what the atp is going to do about his whole shenanigans
1: oh i you know i just made a connection you know how we can see stats on our um podcast server about which countries are which people in which countries are downloading our episodes i did notice an uptick in denmark oh <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I mean, Sam, if you are listening and you are that one sole listener <laughs> in Denmark, I mean, I'd like to think that it's it's you and Caroline Wozniacki. <laughs> um, yeah, slide in our into our DMs. Yeah, let, let us know it's you.
0: Let us let us get the real, real scoop on why you landed in Denmark on a private plane, and more more importantly, how you afforded that private plane.
1: <laughs> People say that he has connections with. Um, I don't know, some multi-million dollar businessmen that will whisk him away in a private plane. Uh, who knows the validity of those statements. Really? Alleg- again, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, yes.
0: <laughs> I mean, he got that private plane, so... Right. Someone paid for that. It wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were going to now do a recap of Ostrava. And I, I think... I think the 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 cap the capping of the season of our girl Vika. Yeah, Vika.
1: You know what? Her finals performance against Sabalenka was awful. I felt so <laughs> bad. It was, you know, not because she played poorly, but even the commentators that were you know, commentating on the show, noticed that she just didn't seem like she was in it to win it. Whether it was an injury, something that I was, you know, eager to find out whether her poor play was as a result of an injury, because truth be told, she started off the final pretty well. Um, Her same Vika self, high energy, really focused, um, yelling her commands. Her grunt was at the same decibel, you know, at, as it normally was, but, somewhere in the beginning of the second set, she just didn't seem to have put any effort into anything, running for the ball, striking for the striking the ball. And so, yeah, I mean, it, yes, the finals performance was, reaching the finals in and it of itself is an amazing achievement, but, you know, it's just clearly not up to
0: Vika's standard. Mm-hmm. And I think, to your point, and perhaps the commentators were onto something, but, you know, her Instagram post does indicate that there was something going on she does you know thank people for the tournament thank the organizers and uh, the specific organizer named laura congrats laura whoever you are um (laughs) she says i'm so proud of you thank you for all the messages last two days were a bit challenging but so is life so Mm. head up and smile always love v so she
1: essentially put a nice little ribbon on her season. Mm
0: -hmm. I think so, because then her next post in her story is, peace for now with the peace sign. Time to unplug.
1: Time to unplug? Yeah. Okay, well, girl, you can unplug, but still plug into a Zoom meeting that we will schedule for you. Yeah. (laughs) So that we can interview
0: you. Mm -hmm. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, we want to talk about your season. I mean, you admittedly early on in the summer, I think had been contemplating retirement and now girl, you're up to number 13 again.
1: Really? Number 13.
0: Yeah. That's
1: amazeballs.
0: balls. Yeah. I mean, especially it's amazing that I would know that considering somebody called us out for needing to know (laughs) know the top 100. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. First (laughs) of all, before we call that girl out, let us give some kudos to Vika. As Jason said, You know, this was the season where she contemplated retirement, particularly during the pandemic, you know, not having the results she did the past two years, coming back from being embroiled in a custody battle over her beautiful, gorgeous son, Leo, with her baby daddy, you know, and again, not having the results that she wanted. She came back and she lost to Venus in Lexington, was it? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Lexington, the tournament that we said looked like could have been in Indy. <laughs> yeah, at, at any club down the street. <laughs> at any club down the street. She ended up winning Cincy. We all know that final, right? Um, the final that did at, not happen. Right. The final that did not happen. Made the finals of the U.S. And her clay court season was, I mean, it was I. She got to the quarterfinals of Rome, second round of the French. And then she had her only indoor hardcourt tournament at Ostrava.
0: <laughs> Making the final.
1: Making the final. Did
0: yeah. you see what I did there with the pronunciation of Ostrava? Yes, which we're going to talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, the exclamation marks aside, that that's, speaks to her season as well, the exclamation marks. They were all her play, her joy on the court, her, you know movement her ability seemed to improve and she gained more confidence throughout those 6 events that she played so yeah it was just nice to see yeah i think
1: i think if anything this tail end of the season showed her that she could still compete with the best you know be part of that elite group of players and still contend for slams honestly i think if you were to ask any player on the wta or atp tour What people are most, true tennis players are after slams. You know, they're looking for, I mean, I would be after a slam. I don't think that tennis players are necessarily after capturing the number one ranking. Like, that accolade does not ring as, it's not as impressive, I think, as putting two weeks together of solid tennis and putting your name on a on a grand slam trophy. So I think I think that this season really helped her you know help her be- help her belief that she can contend
0: for slams again. Mhm. It's funny that you mention you number one and grand slams cuz I don't think Nick Kyrgios wants to get either of those things. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. Anytime I talk about, like, what I believe tennis players aspire to be and achieve, you always have to throw in a little, like, Nick Kyrgios, like, doesn't want any of that shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny that you also mentioned that because those are two things that uh, Novak Djokovic talked to the media about he talked to some some Serbian media outlet, I think on the eve of going to Vienna, which he hasn't played in like twelve years or whatever. Mm. And he, you know, was very clear in pointing out that he has a desire to sort of surpass Nadal and Federer in terms of Grand Slams. And he was very clear that he wants to surpass Federer in terms of total weeks at number one. He want,
1: so essentially what he's saying is he wants to solidify himself as the GOAT.
0: I think so. And, you know, I posted to our Facebook, which has, you know, hundreds of followers, but we don't get a ton of people engaging with us there, unfortunately. So people add <laughs> us to Facebook. But anyway, I th- was attempting to start a conversation because I do think it's interesting that, you know, there are people who wouldn't necessarily take... The time to state those kind of goals, especially as someone with the caliber and status of him, you know, people like Federer, and Nadal might be more humble, and it's just great to be on the court again and whatever and whatever and whatever. But he um, was very clear in stating that he wants to beat those goals. So I think it's interesting. What are you, What are your thoughts on somebody like him stating that? Aside from it being him, like why don't players do that more?
1: Listen, I'm always whether on the tennis court or off i'm always about authenticity you know and that's something that i have to give novak kudos for because whether you like him or hate him i believe with a hundred percent certainty that he's not putting up a facade like with when he does that weird hand thing with the heart like he really is doing that yeah exactly after he wins a match he's he really believes that that is something that will connect with his audience, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, he does have an arrogance about him. We've talked about it at length, you know, at least I have, you know, on our podcast. But I actually think it's admirable that he states the truth about what he wants, you know, because again, without making it too spiritual, you will never get what you want unless you ex- you ask for exactly that. So if he wants to become the greatest of all time and he's staked his claim at that, you know, again, to connect it with something that's really personal to me, pageants, like, you've got to claim the crown. <laughs> you know, you, you can't go into pageant being like, I'm going to be so happy if I'm top 15. Like, get out of here. <laughs> you know, no one goes into a tournament being like, I can't, I, I hope I win a set. Like, get out of here. Like, if you want to be the GOAT, then good on you, Novak. I will give you props for that girl.
0: Yeah. And he's he's working all the angles because I think in Paris, apparently he can't get any points for the Paris indoors, So he's playing Vienna so he can scoop up some more points so he can end up year-end number one because he knows Nadal isn't going to play some of those events. So...
1: What do you, okay, being the um resident ATP expert, like, you know, it's pretty easy to read Novak, but Roger and Nadal perhaps less, Nadal perhaps the least. Like, what do you think their reactions were to his, to those comments?
0: I don't think they probably, <laughs> I don't think they care. I don't know. Really? No, I don't think so.
1: I think Nadal is, Kind of pissed. <laughs> I think... No, I think Nadal's like, uh, I'm not going to do that. No, that's... I'm not even going to go there. Like, I just won the... I just won Roland Garros. Everyone's talking about the fact that I've now solidified my spot as the GOAT. I think... I mean, I think that's a, that's a little bit of a piss-off if I was Raph, Rafa.
0: Yeah. What do you, I mean... I I had had enough of seeing all the pictures on Instagram of Rafa holding the trophy and the different like (laughs) collages of him holding up the 20 slams. And then like the pictures of Federer (laughs) and Nadal face to face being in the 20 slam club. It's like, Oh my God. Okay. Like enough Instagram. (laughs) Enough is enough. Yeah. Let more, more Sviantek and less, a little bit less Nadal. And sorry, Ellen, one of our listeners. We like Nadal, (laughs) but, you know. So, I mean, I just think it's it would be cool to see more players authentically state their goals in the way Novak does and the way Nick Kyrgios does.
1: Yeah, you know what? You're right. I think you're on the same page as, as me when we say that, you know, authenticity is what makes us really attracted to a player, whether they... Po- whether they're polarizing or not. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as they're being honest,
0: right? Agreed. And, you know, I have to be honest about what I said earlier this week when I said, who cares about Sabalenka? <laughs> I did say that to you.
1: <laughs> you did. And you know what? I didn't disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Sorry, Arena. I just, you know, I personally don't really connect with you, but i that doesn't mean that I can't be astounded and supportive of your amazing win at Ostrava.
0: Ostrava. <laughs> and she not only won in singles with a victory over Vika, but she won in doubles as well against our Canadian girl.
1: Yes, Gabby Dabrowski, who I was saying we don't give enough kudos to. Mm-hmm. Like this girl's consistently going deep in draws, and we don't even mention her because we're pretty much all of, all focused on singles. I mean, we've mentioned the odd doubles match Now and again, but if we're a Canadian tennis podcast, uh, we got to mention our girl, Gabby.
0: Yeah, we got to get Gabby come on our show.
1: Yeah, come on our show, girl. (laughs) I mean, I've been trying to slide into her DMs for a long time because she's actually funny on IG. Like she posts some pretty funny shit. But, you know, I don't know how maybe maybe players do read the DMs and they just choose not to answer for fear that their answer might be (laughs) used against them. Right. But um, I think a little emoji won't hurt.
0: Yeah. And it, yeah, they probably don't want it to be the start of a conversation that they can't get out, with, out of with some crazy fans. But yeah, like <laughs> a smiley face or a laugh emoji, like when you commented on the Ostapenko racket ball boy <laughs> thing.
1: Naomi Brody. Yeah.
0: She thought that was funny.
1: I know, but her again, she just doesn't care. (laughs) She doesn't care about us sliding into her DMs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what, um, what did you like about Sabalenka in the final?
1: Here's the thing about Sabalenka. So I pulled a phrase from the commentators that perfectly describes her game. Sabalenka has smothering power. She's got a huge first serve, and she's got a huge... Strike. She has huge striking power. So off both wings, but particularly her forehand, she can dictate play. So she's an ag- extremely aggressive player. And even when Vika was like, <laughs> I already won my tournament. I made it to the finals of a slam. You know who knows why she kind of gave up in that second set, whether it was you know effort or injury. Um, Sabalenka just was not taking her foot off the gas pedal. She was just dictating play, and she was letting her have it. So that's what I really enjoyed about her game. I love Big Babe Tennis, to quote Mary Carillo. You remember her yes. using that term? Yeah. She is, I mean, she is what Big Babe Tennis is these days. And let's face it, many of the women played it in the same way, but she really is Big Babe Tennis, like, to the next level.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's <clears throat> sort of, uh, in terms of stature, she just has, I think, a larger presence. Like she's physically... A bigger girl, um, not mm-hmm. to you know, we're not shaming anybody, but she's just a bigger, um, more imposing-looking player than perhaps someone like Vika, and that re- is reflective in in the power that she brings on the court. So, mm-hmm. and she took yeah. she took the singles and the doubles. She did.
1: She won both, so she had the double trophy situation. So, again, amazing for her. Now, I found a couple of things pretty funny about Ostrava. And you know we talked a little bit about them before <laughs> before the program, but our friend Tyrone in Australia, she, he made the comment, and he noticed that you know how at the ATP and WTA tour um, televised tournaments they always have the name of the tournament in whatever in some kind of paint on the court. Why do they have three exclamation marks after Ostrava? Mm-hmm.
0: And you t- you um, relayed to me how you think it went down in like some (laughs) boardroom meeting conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, listen, it's, uh, we all know, it's public knowledge that Astrava is kind of like, you know, a makeshift Raggedy Ann tournament that they decided to put, to put together because of the pandemic. So amazing for them for putting something together in such a short amount of time. But, you know, I don't even know what kind of meeting that would be called, but there was literally a bunch of tournament organizers or the tournament organizers that sat around a table and said they had a piece of paper <laughs> with their pen and they, and they wrote down as their um, title, ideas for our tournament. (laughs) And one of them raised their hand and was like, let's put three exclamation marks at the end of a Strava.
0: (laughs) And somebody said, no, I think we should just do one. (laughs) Just one. Yeah. And then another person was like, what about two? (laughs) (laughs) And then, no, I make the final decision. It's three, three exclamation marks,
1: three exclamation marks. And there you have it. So I thought that that was pretty funny.
0: Yeah. I mean, all of this allegedly happened. We're not sure. (laughs) we have no recording of what happened in that boardroom. So allegedly that's how it transpired. That's what we believe transpired from the sources we've talked to allegedly.
1: Right. That's what transpired in my head (laughs) as I, as the, as the narrative unfolded.
0: And I, I, you know, from the clips that I saw, I felt like they, they did their best to put their, uh, the best foot forward for the city and for the tournament it looked pretty cool pretty slick some of the photos were cool the way the players came out on the court well, they all looked sort of fierce like <laughs> I saw the posts of of um Zachary and Vika coming out it looked cool
1: yeah I mean if you care about the- those things yeah, I mean, to use the word that I used last week, Ostrava uh, was poppin'. Now, I do have to share another funny detail, and it has nothing to do with Ostrava, but it just kind of perfectly encapsulates what I feel like the stage people are at in terms of ATP and WTA tennis. So when I was watching the um, highlights of the finals between Sabalenka and Azarenka, the WTA uploaded that final video, and the title was <laughs> Arena Sabalenka versus Victoria Sabalenka. <laughs> <laughs> like, girl, we're all tired. No one cares. No one even cared to check. Like, it when you upload a WTA video, I'm, I'm assuming that since it's such a huge organization, being the representative for women's tennis around the world, that it would go through several levels of, like, checking and double checking, but clearly <laughs> it got uploaded and they didn't even get Vika's name right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Who needs to? I mean, she, she, it sounds like she wasn't too into the match either. So I'm sure she wasn't in, she wouldn't be checking the highlights.
1: anyway. No. Yeah, exactly. She's, she's unplugged. Yeah. Like she's completely, she's off the grid. She's disconnected.
0: Yeah. But she's one, you know, a few a couple more million dollars in her bank account this summer
1: like can you imagine that like we talk about i don't know that's some that's an angle of tennis of professional tennis that i really don't kind of pay too much attention to i mean we have talked about prize money before but i mean at the end of the day i wonder how much of that prize money actually gets into her pocket after she pays all of her entourage Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i don't know know how big her particular entourage is at this stage in her in her career, um, but yeah, I mean she got a, a million and a half for the U.S. Open. I think for winning Cincy, they were they reduced the prize money f- to two hundred eighty k. But yeah, even that that's like one almost one point eight million alone. So
1: yeah, like that girl's not hurting. No,
0: that and she that lives Louis in Florida. If you recall,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> and that so that Louis Vuitton, Vuitton, that Louis Vuitton mask was real.
0: Yeah. I think so.
1: Like she didn't get it on at Canal Street in New York. <laughs> well, she couldn't because she was in the bubble. So.
0: <laughs> so uh, sticking with the women, one of one of the girls that you and Russell love to talk about is is on her way out. She said she's saying peace out as well.
1: Julia Gerges. Yeah. Julia Gerges, thirty-one years old, which is a shock to me that. She has retired at such a young age. I mean, 31 isn't Coco Gauff age, obviously. But, I mean, look at Serena, who's
0: now 40. Didn't she just She's turn She's still 39. She's almost 40, uh, yeah.
1: Almost 40. I mean... And Julia had an amazing 2017, 2018, and even beginning of 2019 season. In fact, I remember when she was on fire at the end of 2018, a lot of people were talking about her possibly winning the Aussie Open in 2019. So, you know, I guess maybe... Again, allegedly, everything is going to be allegedly like the narrative in my head is that, you know, because the question was, I asked you too, Jay, like, why would she retire at this time? And the narrative that unplayed in my head was, you know, she we all have experienced the pandemic. It gave her time to reflect about her career, maybe moving on to a new chapter of her life. And she was like, you know what, I'm going to give this. This season, one last shot. She played at the French, lost to her friend, Laura Siegman, a compatriot, a German. And she was like, peace out, y'all. I'm done. That's it.
0: Yeah. I'm. You know, admittedly, she was one of those players I didn't end up watching at all, really. <laughs> I didn't watch too many of her matches unless she was playing, you know, a top player on the women's side. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's just go let's just give her her, you know, her just go over some of her accolades of her career. So she um, reached a career high number nine, won seven singles titles, one of which was, you know, memorable in that she beat the number one player at the time, Caroline Wozniacki, in her home country of Germany when she won the Porsche Grand Grand Prix. Grand Prix. The the Porsche Grand Prix in Stuttgart. And um, I mean, the funny, my kind of anecdotal thing about Julia was you know, before I played doubles with Jason, many of you know I played doubles with Russell. And, you know, my story of trying to learn how to hit a one handed forehand. I tried to learn it again in 2017 and Russell kept on saying, you're hitting it like Julia Gergis. like you look like a windmill. <laughs> and <laughs> what what I mean by that is that my take back for my forehand was so kind of like lofty and swingy and loopy that it looked like a windmill, like a huge propeller that just like craning back. <laughs> and You know, when I think about Julia's game, her serve is very much like that. Her forehand is much like that. So the windmill, we're going to miss you. So blow off into... (laughs) Blow off. (laughs) Is that that terrible?
0: (laughs) We wish you well, whatever you have up your sleeve next. Yes. And same with Caroline. I mean, Caroline, she retired at 29. She was only 29.
1: Girl, did you not see her IG? You know where she's at right now?
0: She was hiking um, Kilimanjaro.
1: Yes. Mm. See, you are up to
0: date. Yeah.
1: You're like, you know what? You're you're like an IG obsessed person on the DL.
0: Yeah. I try and, you know, keep it cute. <laughs> As I told you a couple of weeks ago, you told me about that movie, The Social Dilemma, and I watched oh. it, and it caused <laughs> me to turn off my notifications so that I wasn't getting pinged all, all the time and obsessively looking at not only our IG, but my deceased dogs and my own and Facebook oh and God. messenger. <laughs> I turned them all off.
1: Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah. But I, you know, I think it it is interesting how some of these players make the decision to retire a bit earlier. I mean, does it mean that they don't feel like there's much more, uh, chance for them to win. Like, I wonder if there's some of that that happens. I mean, Caroline Wozniaki won the Aussie Open in 2018. Many mm-hmm. people wondered if she would ever win one. So now that she had won one, maybe she was just like, "I think I'm good." She she tried to extend that and and you know have a bit more um, results after that, but as often happens in the WTA people don't it, it doesn't <laughs> lend to further success and then she was like this this Aussie Open 2020 is gonna be la- my last tournament but you know she's probably the smart one because
1: <laughs> yeah D- and didn't she also deal with like a debilitating
0: kind of arthritis I think she uh, did she talk about that before her retirement or after uh, uh,
1: whether before or after I Again, correct me if I'm wrong. Listen, I, now I feel some kind of pressure to, like, get everything perfectly right. I do believe she had some kind of arthritis. Again, correct us if we're wrong, if I'm wrong. But, um, I mean, that must have... I'm sure that that factored into her decision to go into retirement. Like, how much longer can you play at an elite level if you're constantly trying to nurse a niggling in injury? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and like if you're not able, like think about it. Like you know, you have had a couple of ailments over your our time playing together. You know, when you feel like you can't play at your best, it it's so discouraging.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's why I wonder about players like Raonic. He's often plays a couple tournaments and then he's injured. You know, he pulled out of the French. Uh, he's I think he's off for the rest of the season because he was supposed to play in. Um, St. Petersburg and uh. pulled, pulled out of that event. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he didn't pull out of St. Petersburg. He pulled out of the whatever the, the one was last week. The one where um, uh, Hatchinoff had his outburst. His crazy outburst. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. Maybe at the end of the day, jokes on us. But like, uh, looking at that picture of Caroline with her fine, juicy husband. waking up to that every morning, I would have not regretted my decision.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they're both in a good place. I'm sure financially, like he's an athlete as well. Right.
1: Yeah. Come on now. Like she's, she's popping. She's all right. Mm -hmm. Don't feel bad for her. She's got her. She could look at that Australian open championship and be like, you know what? I put my shit together for two weeks and I'm good.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, she did. She did a great job. She played really well. I saw, I saw some of those matches live and in the flesh.
1: I know. So jealous. Yeah.
0: Um, so speaking of uh, windmill forehands, you were trying a bit of that out on Saturday. I saw while we were practicing. You, uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? You were trying to be a bit, uh, trying to be a bit whippier with your f- one-handed forehand on Saturday. Oh, you mean
1: like I was trying
0: to do like the lasso? Yeah, you were lassoing.
1: Yeah, girl, I'm trying to add dimension my, to my game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get it cute for winter team tennis. Yeah. So
0: yeah, yeah, so, definitely. We we wanted to talk a little bit about Winter Team Tennis because we have talked about it the last few weeks. So we're about to start the new season, even though we just finished the old one that restarted.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're
0: now um, solidly back in A2 after a disappointing season in A1.
1: Right. Okay, before we get into the breakdown of the levels, just a question. So you know how we had... Um, shared with our listeners that you were our captain this past season. Team Grey, pray the grey away, mm-hmm. which I think is a genius name. <laughs> Loved it. Do you feel a sense of relief now that you are not captain anymore? Or or that's a, that's a role that you would have easily assumed if asked of you?
0: I don't think I do as good a job as our current captain will do. I think this particular person is does such a good job of bringing the tennis people together. And he, you know, he's already reached out and we're already talking about team names and we're already picking out <laughs> shirts. As I told you, my favorite team name was Lemona Halep.
1: <laughs> Which doesn't make any sense, but it's funny in a way. <laughs> yeah.
0: Lemona Haleps. Sorry. It was plural. Haleps. <laughs> Which we our color is yellow. So, in in the theme of winter team tennis, we take the color and we try to come up with a creative name for our team. And usually it involves like innuendo, so because it's yellow, you might think of a banana. Banana looks like a penis. <laughs> that that's where the brains of our us gays go. Thank you for helping our listeners connect the dots on that. <laughs> <laughs> so there might be like banana hammocks or something like that. <laughs> I think that was one of the suggestions, no?
1: That was one of the suggestions and then uh, as the suggestions were rolling in I was at work. So I didn't really pay as close attention to the suggestions as maybe I should have. But you know, the image flashed before my before my eyes of if we agreed to to yes, if ag- if we agreed to banana hammocks, then would we then pose for our team pictures in banana hammocks? Like with just a t- with a T-shirt on and then a banana hammock.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would do it.
1: <laughs> I mean, listen, I, yeah, body positivity. Let's just do it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So we're team yellow. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't figured that shit out, and um, so we're ready. We're ready, and we're ready in A two. So we're moving from A A one to A two.
1: Now when I told you on Saturday that the information had come out for Winter Team Tennis cam and whoever helps him with it maybe he just does it on his own um, when he released that information you seem to be surprised a little surprised that we were in A2 like did was there a, was there like an inkling of an idea that maybe we were going to remain in A1
0: I guess maybe I mean, we did ask to go to a two, so I guess we can't. <laughs> we can't really uh, complain about that. I do think, yeah, I have a bit of. Um, it's it's obviously challenging because, as we've talked about on this show, uh, you you can't improve if you are are playing people. Maybe a bit below your level, so I don't know. Maybe last year, we I think we just played really well last year. Um, doesn't mean that the A two teams were, you know, below us, but we did very well against all of those teams. I think we you, we lost. You mean three. two years ago? Two years? Two years ago? Yes. Yeah. When we yeah. were when we were in A two, which caused us to move up to A one, and we were yes. pretty confident that we were uh, ready to do that. And as I said earlier, we. Um, before we started recording we started I think pretty decently in our first three or four matches like we won two and we um, lost in a super tie break in in one of the other matches so we we started off well and we've discussed that we were confident we had the ability to beat several of the teams in A1 but we just we couldn't pull it through and then the second half of the season was kind of garbage (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, I I have no words to add. It was it was it was garbage. We did not play well at all. Mm-hmm. We just didn't we just didn't jive. I don't think that we necessarily had a clear game plan, or we would drive. I remember us driving to the tennis courts, and we would say, "Hey, so do you want to talk about like what we're gonna do tonight?" And like we would say just like meaningless things like, "Let's get the ball in," <laughs> <laughs> or "Let's like return the serve." Like, <laughs> did we really have? a laser sharp focus on what our plan was, definitely not. But I mean, not to say that we were going to like have strategy meetings and we're going to be like, what are we, what angle do you want to hit the return at, you know, for this match against Andre and Bart, like it's not going to be like that, but I think that we're going to go into the season with more of an intention of what is our game plan and how do we execute it? Mm -hmm. And whether honestly for me, whether we win or lose the match, what's most important for me and for our partnership is that we constantly force each other to discuss what is working and what we can do. Like what is our, game plan and how we're going to execute that. Yeah. And if something's
0: not working, making adjustments during the match.
1: Yeah. Making adjustments for sure. Mm -hmm. So that is what I'm most looking forward to for this season. Mm
0: -hmm. And some of what we've talked about is Mm. our need to be more aggressive and not let people sort of dictate play.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like Jason and I are the team that, And maybe you can chime in sharing what you think about this kind of um, like dissection of what happens to us in matches. We start strong and we clearly build momentum. Like I definitely have felt in many of our matches that we've either, you know, been playing really well. We've um, garnered a lead, but then for whatever reason, we just have a string of really shitty points And we don't cap that's the thing that you and i really have to improve on is capitalizing on break points and game points Mm -hmm. because we have a we have a thing of like going up in a game and just you know i'll throw in a double fault maybe an error and then before we know it it's like 40 30 and then we end up losing the game and we just make it so hard for ourselves
0: yeah and yeah closing out games and closing out matches when we are up a set and, and sort of moving towards the end of a match. We've we've had um, instances where... Actually, many times, I think, where we haven't had, had chances to close out matches and we don't close them out.
1: Yes. Yeah, for sure. So that's something that I think we should for
0: sure work on this season. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a little bit more also about trying to take control of the net as well.
1: Yes. Like, okay, TLGTA folks, you... You know you have the luxury of listening to our podcast and we are very transparent when it comes to our game plan so i mean kurt you don't have nothing to worry about because we're not playing a1 this year so you don't have to (laughs) lob us to death but yeah jason and i have said specifically we want to be crushing the net like we want to be up at the neck up at that net and closing so Mm -hmm. you know we're not content anymore to you know play rinky dink tennis from the backcourt So y'all better watch out.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I see that you've listed the two teams here, Andre and Bart and Artur. Artur likes to come to the net off of his serve. And um, I think uh, obviously Bart is a really good player at the net and Andre sometimes serves in volleys. So those are two teams that at least have a player or both players who, who like to play at the net.
1: Let me let's talk about Bart for a second because Bart, we played with against sorry two years ago. Bart talking about windmills and like you know, wingspan that boy can hold his racket out and essentially stand at one end of the court and then be able to cover the other doubles alley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, he's so like
0: seven foot six.
1: He will, you, it's very difficult to pass him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if there's if there's any team to really practice being aggressive against, I think it would be Andre and Bart because, you know, to try to hit balls from the backcourt, you know, unless we have a really consistent cross game, you know, he's just swatting at that ball and putting it away at the net.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm I'm interested to hear from other winter team tennis teams um, and TLGTA players about, whether they come to any matches with any strategy whatsoever or if they have this, (laughs) like the car conversations that you and I have, uh, you know, when we're getting ready to play Rodell and Jeremy, like, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, obviously we, we know the first ball is critical, like getting the return back, uh, which we were able to do 10% of the time against those guys. (laughs) But like, I wonder how people, when they come to a match, if they actually think about a strategy when they're going up against the team?
1: Uh, uh, Let me tell you, I think that, uh, no T, no shade, but like Team Green, Joe and Wakaba, Joe's not thinking about strategy. Joe is thinking about where they're going to have dinner after. (laughs) (laughs) That is for damn sure. You know, I don't know Wakaba that well. She seems like a really lovely woman. Mm -hmm. And they're obviously an amazing team because they got bumped up from B1 B1 to A2. Um, But... You know, Joe has even said himself, like, you know, he's fierce on the court, you know, an incredible forehand, super consistent player, like the kind of player that will drive you nuts on the singles court. But, you know, he's told me before he is often thinking about where they're going (laughs) to where they're going to eat for social after after the match. So he don't care. Uh, I mean, she cares, but she cares more about like getting that noodle in her belly.
0: Right. (laughs) We used to go for Korean food. right (laughs) yeah so what are you looking forward to now that we're sort of going back to a2 it it maybe feels like a bit of a demotion but we have talked about our need for ourselves to have a game plan and just try to work to improve
1: yeah what am i most looking forward to i'm honestly my vision for this season has has been to really harness and craft and develop my forehand and use that as an attacking ball to get into the net. So I want to be up at the net with you when I'm returning and I imagine us being aggressive and you know just continue to close on the net and win our points there. Um yeah, I just I there's there's no better satisfaction than You know, putting setting your goal and practicing your goal and then, you know, maybe crying a couple of times because you don't know how to hit a forehand and then finally getting to a place where you're like, oh, okay, you know, I can hit a forehand now. Mm -hmm. So I I believe that I believe uh, with 100 percent certainty that we're going to get there this season.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. I don't feel like it's a demotion. I feel like we um, we understand where our weaknesses are and we understand that we want to grow and get better so we're looking forward to that
1: yeah do you so uh, we have the teams here do you want to let okay let me let me get what your take is so team black so team white we talked about andre and bart bart being like you know the killer player at the net we talked we talked a little bit about orange our tour he's got a new partner randy who has moved his way up the tennis rankings. Again, another wonderful story of someone that started on a lower court but has committed himself to the sport and is now finding himself on an A court, which is amazing. Um, B- Black, Edsel, and Danny. What do you think about that?
0: Uh, we've played Etzel in singles and, and doubles. He's a tough, unorthodox player. Danny, I don't know. Um, but mm. I, I do remember... <clears throat> Our victory in Montreal against Etzel and Cam. Yes.
1: That was I was thirsty for that win. Yeah, me too. Like I was like, we are not losing to
0: them. Especially again. after we lost to Cam and Nancy having taken the first set. Another example yes. of us blowing a lead
1: yes I, and the feeling of losing the momentum like just siphoning from our bodies is just so palpable <laughs> but anyway so yeah Edsel Danny I remember playing Danny a couple of years ago when he was just kind of starting to play tennis again I don't know very much about him but you know he's a player at East York and he's been playing a lot like you and I oftentimes time when we are when we booked our hour at East York I'll look over and he's practicing with you know Neil or Edsel or um Jeffrey maybe I saw a couple of times. Okay. And he is it looks like he's an amazing forehand. Like he looks like a solid A two, potentially could be an A one player. And then of course Edsel, that girl just hits flat from every possible area. Yeah.
0: Down the line. Always always disguising down the line. Super annoying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like cover that line girl. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Joe and, and the last Joe and we talked about. Mm-hmm. And then Shaheen and and Ross. Ross was on our team last year. Yeah. And now they're team Pink and I've played I don't think I've played Shaheen in doubles. I played him in singles um semifinals in Detroit. And you won that. I did. I won that match and then I lost in three sets in the final. That's right. Mm-hmm. To to Matt. Matt, yeah. Mm, that was a tough one. Yeah. Tough loss.
1: But they're gonna be they're gonna be a good team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think Shaheen played winter team last year. Um, I did he? I don't think so.
0: I don't know that he did.
1: Yeah, I don't remember seeing him on court. Mm-hmm. But I mean, both of them are solid players, and I've known Ross for years. I played with that girl for years and years at Howard Park, and she's a crafty little lefty, and uh they're gonna. I that, I think I'm gonna enjoy that match a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: So our goal is to close at the net as part of our winter team tennis. And a guy who often closed at the net was the lovely Boris Becker. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, he he got foreclosed on declared bankrupt (laughs) closed, (laughs) and (laughs) foreclosed I thought we would end with it it felt like a nice segue to talk about Boris and his bankruptcy and how people were trying to grab them trophies from him
1: okay before we go into the story of Boris Becker and his money issues how does a person like Boris Becker get bankrupt that, that's my question. Remember, that was my question to you in the car ride. Like, mm-hmm. this guy clearly has a lot of avenues for income and exercises them. Like, I mean, he is on TV all the freaking time. Coach Novak, you know, you were talking about that Novak money. How does a man like that have no more money at the end of the day, is oh. my question.
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know what people spend their money on when they have so much. I mean, I think that's typically what happens. Once you make more money, you're the budget that you create for yourself and what you spend gets larger as well. And then you're spending um, within your means. And then if you make less money, you you can't change those habits. So you, you end up in this situation like Boris.
1: That's crazy. I just don't understand rich people. (laughs) I don't, I don't like, you know, I understand the whole making more money, spending more money, but like, don't you know, maybe he's just not aware. He wasn't aware of all the money that he was losing. Mm hmm. That could possibly be it because I guess once you reach a certain level of wealth, you know, Aldwin over here with the one bank account, <laughs> like it's e- it's easy for me to to look after that. But you know, when you got millions and millions of dollars going in and out, you have to have a team, mm-hmm. I guess.
0: Yeah. So they the banks tried to steal his his trophies. <laughs> that was the, the headline. That was the headline. I think that you know, I. I side with him. He should hide his trophies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was... Okay, so just to add some kind of context, when we were riding in the car to our, you know, two-hour sesh at Supreme... um, Hi, Alistair. Hi, Jordan. (laughs) uh, On Saturday, uh, I asked... Jay, it was either on the car ride there or the, or the car ride home. And like, have you heard about the story of Boris Becker hiding his Wimbledon trophies so that the people at the bank don't take don't take them and liquidate it for assets? And he's like, girl, listen, if I had filed for bankruptcy and like I had all of those, it, it's whatever. I don't even know what the name of the official Wimbledon trophy is. I'd hide them, too. And I'm like, I mean, I guess so. It's like, I guess if you were an actor and you had an Oscar and also declared bankruptcy, you're definitely not selling that Oscar.
0: No, I mean, it just seems a little bit cruel. I mean, how much is the trophy worth really? And what does it mean to somebody who's going to buy it from him? And what, what's, the li- <laughs> what's the liquidation value of that? I don't know. Just let him keep his trophy. He like got so many grass stains uh, from diving for them balls. <laughs> at See, Wimbledon. I think...
1: I think a fair compromise because, again, the fact checkers are going to come after me. But, like, I know that he won at least two because he won in 85. That was the one that brought him all the fame, you know, as a young 17-year-old. And then he won in 89. So I think a fair compromise is, like, give up the 89 one, sell that one, and then keep the one that that means the the most to you. the first first one.
0: I mean, go ahead. No, no, you go. I was going to
1: say, like, to your point, like, what is a person, like, what kind of sick person is like, I'm going to buy Boris Becker's 1989 Wimbledon trophy and put it in my, and put it in my, like, you know, my, my trophy case with my Royal Dalton figurines. <laughs> yeah. Like, who the F does that? Like, get a life. Ill.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he we give him a bad rep he has a, a bit of a big mouth him and curios got into it a little bit <laughs> um but yeah let let the guy keep his trophies he and, and, you know file for bankruptcy do all the legal legit things but let him keep his trophies although I'm just looking at his Wikipedia he has three of them. so you know to your point maybe he can keep one or two and sell off one of them.
1: <laughs>
0: he's, I, I mean,
1: this guy also has property abroad. Why don't you sell that? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's got property in Germany. He's got property, a couple of properties, you know, other places in the world. Just sell those first. And to your point, he can keep his trophies because that has obviously
0: sentimental value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's won six grand slams.
1: I mean, yeah, I remember that 96 Australian. Yeah. Like people have counted him out and, you know, to, to, tie things and make things full circle like people had said no Boris Becker he can't win another slam it's still Sampras and Agassi and they were on fire but the 96 Aussie was his he took it so you never know Vika
0: yeah keep it going Vika but you know peace sign we appreciate it peace sign we'll see you in a bit see you in a bit Vika and Mm. we'll see you next week I know, I know. That's it. That's it. Bye, (laughs) y'all. Bye. Hey, it's your serve. If you love this episode, be sure to give us a five-star review. And don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about. See what I did there? And don't forget, follow us
1: on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya.